Afternoon, boys. Welcome back to another session of Nightmare Cinema, where we uh, have a massive argument for an hour and then decide if a film is Nightmare Cinema or Certified Nightmare. I believe Sean is losing quite dramatically at the moment. I'm sorry, mate. Maybe you should develop <laughs> some. Today, it's my go. I'll be leading this one. And we are doing John Landis's seminal classic, American Werewolf in London, 1981, for any of those who uh, have been listening to me for the past 10 years say it was made in 1980. I apologise. Boys, first impressions. Johnny Cameron, go. Yeah, um, I remember this film. Um, I watched it watched it years ago and refreshed my memory a couple of days ago. Um, always having big hype, um, particularly from my dad. I remember we went to, to Cornwall once uh, and there was this pub called The Bucket's Blood, um, which he would refer to as The Slaughtered Lamb. Um, obviously, I asked him why he was saying such a thing. And then we got into this film. I was only about 10 at the time. Um, so... Uh, it grew up. I grew up with it having a reputation, so I've seen it a couple of times, and I have to say, I sort of forgot what a good film it was when I um, when I watched it just the other day, um, and it refreshed my memory. Um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, brilliant. Um, it's just a perfectly daft, perfectly silly, um, scary, and, and, and jumpy and in some moments, although I wouldn't say particularly overall. Um, but it is a really good film and I enjoyed it very much. I couldn't agree more, to be honest. It is basically an hour and a half of chaos. Uh, Sean, what what doomsaying mess <laughs> have you got for us today? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, same as, as Johnny, really remember being told about this as a kid um, by my dad, but my dad seemed to focus on the transformation scene as most people do. Um, and then when I watched it, when I was probably in my teens, um, didn't really think much of it. It didn't make me feel anything. Um, I wasn't really scared of it. Didn't find it funny. Um, I didn't get to know the characters at all. So didn't really have any feeling towards it. And then when you said that you wanted to do that for episode five, I was absolutely gutted <laughs> because of that. Um, but then I watched it again and there are some bits in it that I do like, um, but most of it is definitely not, not for me. Fine, not for you. You can't lay a bombshell like that on me and not explain it. Shit. <laughs> shit it's I don't see I, I, I think the horror and comedy have got a a place together but not like this it doesn't it's it's just too wacky horror horror and comedy have a place together because of this film they don't it's never been done like this before no and it's never been done like this ever since thank god today is going to be another fight <laughs> I'm ready. Right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to throw points at you and then we're going to discuss the points. Mm -hmm. um, first, I want to talk unbelievably about the opening sequence, the kind of 20 minutes on the moors and um, what what we think about that as, as a kind of opening sequence. Because for me, this was the first film I saw that really had a, such a strong intro, intro opening that 
it set the tone for the rest of the film. I personally, and I still love the film, don't be thinking I don't, but the East Proctor scenes for me are just the, some of the best things in it. The way that they've got it so weird and obscure and completely unique, tinged with mystery, it, it hits the nail on the head and is perfect. And then there's the, the then there's the eventual attack at the at, at the at the kind of climax of the sequence. I just think it's got everything. Mm. How do we feel about the that? So I I think it's it, the first twenty minutes are really really good, and you get to you get to see some characterization there, and you get to um, know them a bit. Um, but yeah, it is it is really good. It's the tone there is amazing, but then after the attack and he wakes up in London, it feels like two separate films like he's had this really good idea for the start of the film but he's wanted to call it American Werewolf in London so he's tacked on this extra hour and ten minutes um, to make up a film but if you took that first 20 minutes out of the film you've got a really 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 good short film I think (laughs) that's my opinion I think um, obviously the, the first 20 minutes um, there's a lot of sort of uh, isolated unfamiliar surroundings feelings I think maybe it lends more to an American audience um, because obviously as three English a gentleman we you know would be fairly familiar with <laughs> walking around a, a, yeah a foggy field into a strange pub Um we go into those pubs or did go into those pubs all the time. The Swan is one of those pubs. Um, but I think for two American backpackers, yeah. Um, so so it, it maybe lends more to an American viewer. Uh, having said that, you still get those those feelings of isolation. It's brilliantly set up when they're just walking around fields and you can only see like about, you know, 10 square foot at a time and it's doused in fog. Um, I think that's really good. I get what you're saying about the opening 20 minutes. It's brilliant. Uh, and and also that pub scene is obviously iconic for <clears throat> so many reasons, mm. um, but to, I, I disagree. To when you say that the rest of the film is just just tacked on, um, the transition um, sounds like I'm of an unpopular opinion, but it, it works for me. Um, and that movement from a seemingly quite serious uh, horror film um, to something almost related to the evil dead, obviously, which came later, um, is something that really works. I think it does find a really, really good balance of like, of just, just tongue in cheek, the daftness for daftness sake, whilst still, still being a really good film. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it totally works. So why I can understand why you, you, you enjoy the first 20 minutes more than sort of the rest of the film, anything, the film, has to offer after that, maybe apart from the transformation. Um, I just think it, it's it's a film, obviously, that looks like it's split in two parts from the 20-minute mark, but uh, they're both as good as each other, I think. I think yeah. it works. I think I think if the Doctor didn't go back there, um, then we we would have lost something quite important. Like, But the fact that he goes back there on a, doing his investigation and he's he the same amount of weirdness and cloak and dagger and mystery is there again. I think that that, that saves it. I, I personally would have had a film just set in East Proctor, and I would have called it East Proctor, and then I'd move there and live there forever. <laughs> it is a little bit League of Gentlemen, East Proctor, isn't it's, it? 
it's just just the, some of the best film scenes I've ever seen. Some of the best kind of precursor to what's coming later that I've ever seen. Don't worry, Tubbs. He won't <laughs> get far. <laughs> I love Tubbs and Edward. <laughs> I don't know the League of Gentlemen, what? so I feel like London. <laughs> you can't say what. Lines are yeah, lines. Can. Are lines I can't believe. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I've just rewatched. Do you still want to just get a room and I'll just sit there and wait? Like, <laughs> oh, John, I can't. You heard the man tubs. Get undressed. You need to watch it, guys. It's so funny. <laughs> anyway, come on. My 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 stoic expression speaks volumes. Uh, the I want to talk about the initial attack now, mm. and the fact that it kind of comes from nowhere and it's incredibly brutal. Um, in a film that's kind of laced with a bit of humour, and you think to yourself, "This isn't going to be that bad," and then that happens. How do we feel about that? I don't think it comes from nowhere. I think it's building because you hear the the creature. I, on... I don't. I, I don't mean the attack, I mean the kind of brutality and graphicness of the attack. Oh, well, I think that's just part and parcel, isn't it? You can hear you can hear something on the moors. The film is called An American Werewolf in London. I think you can put two and two together and come up with four and know that something bad is probably going to happen now. So, yeah, some, some, It was always going to get attacked, we knew that, but were you expecting it to be as graphic as that? I agree with, I agree with John. I know what you're trying to say, mate. I think, um, especially especially sort of when you get later on in the film and the comic elements and it's the the whole other comic elements are are completely deliberate and timed brilliantly. I feel in this film. So in the context of that later on and when obviously more attacks happen and such, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a shock, a step back because the, the you, you sort of forget that you're in a film about werewolves um, when a lot of this stuff is going on. Maybe not right at the start, but it doesn't mean the the, the attacks do shock you. They're extremely gory, extremely visceral, um, extremely brutal. And, and yeah, so when you've got that running alongside what is essentially a romantic comedy um, throughout throughout most of the film, obviously after the first 20 minutes, then... It's there's a certain balance that you need to to get right, John. You look like and you're going to vomit it, when he said romantic comedy. Then it, I, it is. I, I, it is. That's what it is. <laughs> romantic comedy with werewolves, <laughs> with werewolf. Um, but but yeah, I think I think the balance it strikes is is really good because I mean, for me, obviously, watching it all these years later, um, I don't think it scared me that much when I watched it years ago or when I saw bits as a kid, I don't think my dad let me watch the whole thing to be fair. Um, I, yeah, so I wasn't, wasn't particularly scared, but it's still, the, the, the brutality is still, is still striking. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know I don't think it scared me, but it definitely without any shadow of a doubt shocked me. Like you've got this kind of slightly weird, but not threatening scene in a pub where it's let's face it comedy gold for 15 minutes and you're laughing like in my case you're doing rorty belly laughs because even the first time I watched it it didn't necessarily scare me but it did massively shock me with the kind of especially with the opening kind of sequence because you've got this highly amusing highly entertaining scene in a pub which 
is weird and slightly perverse before it goes into um you think the next minute they're on the moors kind of running for their lives and then the next minute there's a kind of ginormous dog savaging jack everywhere and that that shocked me i mean it's brilliant i love it but it did it did, it did shock me that didn't necessarily scare me but it shocked me with the, with the level of kind of violence that it had and the level of blood that it had in it and mm. th- th- one of the most memorable bits of it for me is when he's running back towards him and he's just lying on the on the on the gra- on the on the floor and he's covered in blood and it's he's just been torn to bits. He's actually been torn to bits. Yeah, because he legs it. David legs it, doesn't he? Yeah. When it first happens, which is brilliant. Yeah, and then he and then he he's running for the I've got a mate. Yeah. He goes back and he finds him and he's just been absolutely torn to bits. Mm. And it's you just go, whoa. Um and it's all of that. I've I've said this before. I think many times in, in pubs and stuff over the years, just as strangers. Like uh, that is all like a, a massive precursor to what comes later. But it's all ramped up, and you, you you know it's not good when you open up with something like that. And it's you have to give credit to the effects people as well for that. And I think the effects in this film, before we get to the big main events. Are some of the best you've ever seen. Even the little ones, even when Jack reappears, which is what we're going to move on to next. Um, with with the, with the exception of the Nazis. <laughs> oh, let it let it. I like them. They're good. And the Poundland masks. They were probably a hundred grand each. Then. That's I I really don't understand that bit. How it must have been on purpose, or they must we, have run we, out of budget. Before we came on on online today, we were talking about weird dreams that we've had. We didn't try and explain them. Just because their dreams are slightly less budgeted than ours doesn't mean they're any less weird. But yeah, um, Jack, Jack coming back. What are your feelings on that? On that, it is a very big cliche, like horror film cliche, where a dead party comes back to explain. To just do basically exposition, granted an amazing makeup, but that's basically what it is. And that is the only saving grace of the scenes with Jack in it is the makeup and how he slowly is rotting away before our very eyes. But other than that, he doesn't really add anything. There are other ways. I mean, I don't know. Does he need to find out about all of that exposition stuff, like that the victims of werewolves have to roam the earth until? the werewolf is dead, even though technically the werewolf that killed Jack is dead. It's the it's something about the bloodline, isn't it? The bloodline needs to be severed. That, that's I like a good point, Sean. Yeah. I, I, I really thought about that. I um, I like the way that he... I think what he wanted to do was he thought, this is, I don't want this to be two hours and 20 minutes of just people talking. So he's gone, what's the easiest way I can do this? John Landis just wants he's a born entertainer and he just I think he he likes films to be as condensed as he possibly can and yeah he does use a lot of cliches to do this and this is without a shadow of a doubt one of them but I think it works very well and the way that they've done it I think they've put all that audible makeup on him to kind of betray the point that they are using a huge uh, film cliche to do this but I reckon it, it it stands up well I mean every time you see him he's a little bit more rotten away and he's a little bit more decayed and the, the comedy is still there I mean Griffin Dunn's just fucking hilarious the way he's so deadpan with it 
just turns up, he's standing can have a piece of toast, his neck's hanging out. It's just it's just so well well done. And I I think I, as much as I hate cliches, and we've talked about this before at length, where I haven't shut up about them, and I told you how much I hate them, they are very, very necessary sometimes, and they are the best tool to use. And I think that the, this is this is the best tool to use for this. Mm. I think um, sense of disagreement coming on. <laughs> I, uh, I I I really enjoyed those scenes uh, uh, where Jack comes back. Um, I think obviously it's a, a, the effects being so good on it, a precursor to what's to come. Um, yeah, I think the only, the only, the only slight dent in it is is all the exposition. Um, but if but if it was, it's a, it's not a film that takes itself too seriously. If it did, if you had something like that in in you know The Exorcist or something, I feel like it'd really take you out of the moment. Uh, and it'd stop you being so immersed in it, but you know, it it, it didn't ruin the film for me. Yeah. It was um, it was may, maybe maybe not a necessity, but it it went along yeah. fine. I think because, because of the type of film that it is. Yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth. The the reason why it, it gets away with it, so to speak, is because of the type of film it is. Because it's got it's it's so tongue in cheek and it's so. I don't want to say silly, but I may say silly. Because it is, <laughs> it just is. It really um, is. It's it's so silly. Um, it 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 can use stuff like that, and it can use kind of what I would consider mundane, tired motifs and tropes and all that shit to 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 do that because it fits in with with the tone of it. But that's not a kind of I'm not being detrimental to it in any way. It works because because they've done it like that because think, it's a silly film because it's I think funny. it's um because it's self aware it can get away with it yeah I'll, it, I'll it, take it that and pretend I've said it <laughs> it knows what it's doing it's using it as a device because it's overshadowed by everything else in the film it's not something you can pick out and go well that doesn't need to be like that you know because it knows you can't pick up well the character didn't need to explain all that when you've got um a werewolf running about um it's a, it's a film it's that fine. completely knows what it is and is absolutely at peace with what it is and it, it i mean it knows it's going to get shit off people like sean but it doesn't care it deals with all the flack that it gets and it's had flack over the years but it's survived and will endure as it i thought it was universally loved oh people have given it shit like people People give everything shit, don't they? But it is like a, a harder shit. find a favorite, though, isn't it? Yeah, they can eat shit because they're wrong. Wow, they Good. are. Um, <laughs> okay. Now I want to discuss uh, a slight, shall we say, hot potato among the, the this threesome. David's dreams. Oh. Who wants to go first? Johnny. The, the groans then. <laughs> I bode well for this. I think it. I couldn't decide whether it had been dated so badly. Um, it, but right, what I don't get is that the rest of the effects are so brilliant. Even the other effects in the dream sequence, when he has that um, sort of devilish sort of initial werewolf face when he's lying, in the, when he sees himself in the bed, um, his eyes are yellow, and um, he's got a big teeth and he makes the, the 
the classic horrid demon face like at the top of the stairs in The Exorcist. Um, it's just like a flash and it's like, oh, the, the evil has arrived. Um, and, you know, and it's it's within him. So everything else effects-wise is, is rather brilliant. So I don't know why they chose to either go to Poundland for these masks if they run out of budget or they just said, you know what would be funny, let's make them awful or because we're doing a multi we're doing three or four or five people, we don't have the time, let's do it. Or like I said, just because um I it, they thought it was funny, or is it just sort of those effects were not actually that bad at the time. The other ones were amazing and it's just been dated a bit. Either way, I still enjoyed it because it's stupid and it's daft. And yeah. They are fever dreams of a werewolf man, and it is a. Uh, I take it in his brain's imagining of a metaphor of the evil coming to destroy everything he loves, whether it's in by him becoming a werewolf or by some zombie SS yeah. soldiers coming to machine gun some cereal. Thank you for not calling them werewolf Nazis. Um, I I have no I was problem. That close. I, I think. <laughs> I think the kind of, I mean, it is nine. It was nineteen eighty one. Remember, and in nineteen eighty one, that's good. That they're good effects. I don't care what anyone says. I th- I think it gets away with it again because the film is just so silly. It's 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 a fevered dream by someone who's been cursed, um, and I like the way they start kind of gradually, and. You've got him. What have you got? Got him doing first. He's running through, running through the the woods, and then he's running through the woods naked, and killing, eating a deer, and running through the woods, seeing himself in hospital, being looked after by the divine Jenny Agatha, and then cutting to that demon face one, and then it moves up to the to the to. I, I love the way he's watching the Muppets, just like a normal day, in the, in his house, and then the, that comes in, and it and it all gets put into perspective at the end when he wakes up in the hospital. Granted, then Jenny Agatha does get stabbed and then he wakes up again, which I believe might be the first time that dream within the dream thing was properly used to that effect insofar it was good. Um, and he just, at the end of the whole sequence, he just goes, holy shit, like that. And that is what it, what, what it is. It's a whole, it's a what the fuck moment in a film and of, of what the fuck moments, but it, it's, escalated and it's escalated because of the daftness of it because of the brutality of it because of the massive gore of it I mean one of them runs in and he holds he, he makes him watch with a knife to his throat <laughs> while these sweaty Nazi zombies are just decimating his house and sitting on fire I, I just think didn't it didn't really matter and I didn't really care that it yeah it is not the best effects I've ever seen but it didn't make a shadow difference to me I thought it was still brilliant like so well done and so out of nowhere don't you agree Sean no I don't think he does no I don't I thought it was absolutely awful the other dream sequences I'm alright with I'm comfortable with them fine but these Nazi, whatever they are, or what? I, it doesn't even make sense. And I understand your point before that you know John Johnny, where the evil, it's it's in his mind, and the evil is coming for him and destroying all these things that he loves. Even then, no, like at, not at all. It doesn't look good. It didn't feel good. It was like it was like 
it was like he needed an hour and a half film, but he didn't have it. So he lashed this scene in and just created it and filmed it on the spot. It was absolute nuts and not in a not in a positive way. It was awful and it looked You're nuts awful. and not in a positive way. All right. Bloody Philistine. Hardly. Well, that, that that's a measured reaction, good conversation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just 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 screaming. It was um, just not for me at all. Uh, I understand that. But no. <laughs> Mine wasn't very measured response either, was it? No, no it's brilliant. It's daft. It's, it's stupid. It's gory. It's it was like obviously before its time, um, dog soldiers, um, which is just ridiculous and stupid. Um yeah, I I I thought it was very good. It does kind of suggest that the only good werewolf films you can get are stupid ones, which is not is not right. Well, this am, is the only good werewolf film ever made. There, ha- yeah, it kind of is. I, ha- I am, I am going to revisit the Howling today. In fact, um, because I've given it a bit of bad press over the years, and I haven't seen it for a good twenty years now. But I remember being bored, which was surprising because it's directed by Joe Dante, which is who is one of my favorite directors ever. Does anyone know what Joe Dante did? Pop quiz, hot shots. No. Is that the answer? Did he do hot shots? No. He did uh, Gremlins and oh. kind of I think he did Explorers as well. And um films of that ilk. So I want to revisit him because I, I I like revisiting Joe Dante films as a as a as a more enlightened John. But I'm not holding out much hope. Watching a, a werewolf film now is basically like booking yourself in for torture <laughs> it's honestly it is you, that the most recent one that I can remember um, the Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro that's kind of like the most serious one and kind of sticks to the original lore of the whole thing and it's a bloody mess it's um, you, you can tell it's director and studio fighting for creative control with Rick Baker, who incidentally did the the effects for American Werewolf in London, um, in in the middle somewhere, but there's still it's it's still just a mess. I'm not it sure really I've seen is. that film. It's I mean even the great 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 Emily Blunt can't save it. It's 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 that it it looks very pretty and it's very nice in places, but there's just there's about six stories going on in six different directions mm. and. Anthony, what's his name? That Welsh fella. Anthony Hopkins plays like the the, the dad. And he's a Welsh he, fella. He just he just <laughs> he just can't be asked. He just phones it in. He's like, and for some reason they th- they think I'm going to be okay with him being related to Benicio del Toro because that because that's you can you can they're spitting images of each other, aren't they? John, did you um, know that uh, in during that Nazi werewolf scene? Um, you did that on purpose, didn't you? I did. Well, that's the way it's actually described whenever I've read it. Um, Rick that Baker you've written one of them. Rick Baker was Rick Baker was the Nazi werewolf zombie that um, that held him and held a knife to his throat. I didn't know that. No. Yeah, I read about that the other day. Well, now you do. I think he's more famous for the other thing he did. <laughs> Directorially, how do we feel about that? How do we 
How do we? Th- what do we think of John Landis? Uh, I believe this might be. It's probably not, but um, obviously, obviously, this has got a lot of elements of comedy. Like I said before, the, the comedy elements that are all deliberate, all brilliant. Um, I believe he was. Uh, he's, he's a mainly uh, comedy director as well. Um, yeah, you might which, remember which obviously... from, from such films as um, Blues Brothers. Uh, this and trading places and coming to America, they were the four kind of big hits of his career. He did direct Michael Jackson videos. I think he may have done Thriller, to be honest, which is kind of the biggest music video of all time. But um, the f- feature film-wise, those those four were kind of comedy gold in the eighties, and he was well on his way to becoming. And a proper legend. I mean, he kind of is to me, but the legend didn't. Legend thing really didn't happen because of the incidents of the Twilight Zone and the legal ramifications that went on for something like ten years after that. If you're not familiar with what happened on the Twilight Zone, he was basically directing an episode, segments of the Twilight Zone movie, and this horrendous accident happened on set. Uh, that he the the courts determined he was liable for. I don't know if he got sent to prison, but I know he got convicted of it, and it is a massive black mark against his name. If you don't know, um, a stuntman was running across this kind of um, flooded field with a very very young girl in, in his arms, and there was a helicopter hovering above them, and it got caught on some wires and basically came down literally on top of him. There is horrendous footage of it existing somewhere. My advice, do not Google it. Do not search it. It is horrendous. Um, and it ever, like he, he took that incredibly badly, as you would. And then as he was kind of getting back on his feet, all of the court cases started, and it hit him like a ton of bricks. He was never... The the incident it's it's two separate things. It's the incident that happened that rocked him, and he was two years getting over it. Uh, I don't think he ever made peace with it because how could you? Mm. And then the legal stuff started, and the legal stuff really took it out of him, and he was never really the same after that. But his legacy is the Michael Jackson work and these four absolutely incredible comedy efforts, which I own them all. They're all in my big box of Blu-rays over there. I I think as a director, he was well on the way to being one of the best, um, if not the best comedy, genre-defying comedy slash anything else director. That John, John, you just mentioned that. You said it was a comedy film. Would you define this more as comedy than you would as, as horror? Yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely, Ooh, it's definitely, it's definitely a comedy first. But you, you can have comedy horror. Look at the Lost Boys. Look at Gremlins as well. Gremlins is a Christmas film, though. As we uh, yeah, as comedy as horror films now. I don't think I'd describe them as horror films. Either of them. It, it, it most definitely has enough um, horror in it to be labelled a horror film. But just because it has the, the a, a, a spine of comedy in it, doesn't mean it's not kind of it isn't a horror film 
I think it's interwoven really, really well. Um, and if that's if that's your directorial debut doing something like that, then it's a yeah. it's a masterpiece. If if you can just take take comedy, um, yeah. which you've always worked with, and then just go, I'm gonna just put put some horror in this. It's a horror film, but it's still gonna be comedy, and you can come up with yeah. this film on your first attempt, then genius. Yeah, I think if you do a film that spans two or three genres and you've got people talking about it some 40 years later going, is it one or the other? I think you've done your job. Um, in my opinion, it's all of them. It's 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 a comedy and it's a horror and they both are excellent, superbly done. Like, e- even in the first 20 minutes issue of, of this, the opening sequence, which I do go on about an awful lot, you can see as kind of... John Landis's directorial that directorial skills so busting bursting to get out like there's there's so many shots on the moors where he's using really high tracking shots and he's coming down in front of them and then going back up and then and that's just he's always got this background this pitch black background in it to just enhance the sense of isolation that they've got and he does it so well he really does I I, I, I it makes me sad that he never got a chance to really really sing on something um, I think he I just think he could have been one of the best like um, I don't know if you've seen his other films are very claustrophobic affairs um, more comedy than anything else um, Trading Places is just a classic um, Blues Brothers and Coming to America all of which have really really strong opening sequences the, um, the, 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 most of them are remembered for those opening sequences and they've, all, all John Landis' films apart from the latter ones um, are remembered for these such strong opening sequences it's, it, 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 it's so powerful and they, they work so well how do we feel about Dr. Hirsch don't really. Again, he's one of those characters. Is well, like all of the characters, you don't really get to know them, do you? So he's just there and doing his business and doing a little bit of an investigation, which was really strange for me because I couldn't really, I didn't get why he was doing what he was doing. Was he trying to find out whether this fellow was insane? Because he think... he was he was out and about, wasn't he, with the nurse? I think he had a vested interest to make sure he wasn't uh, a lunatic because he still had these apparent delusions that he was a werewolf. The nurse um, is obviously so, so taken with him that she, she didn't care what he was saying. I think we've all been like that with someone at times. Um, And so he probably takes it upon himself um, to do some investigating for for her welfare and the welfare of uh, David and and the people around him now that he's he's released, but he's obviously still having these fever dreams despite the fact that and and delusions despite yeah. the fact that on the outside he lo- he looks fine. He's the sort of the earthing system. He's the the ground and he's the you yeah. know the 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 voice Definitely. of reason. The, the you and me putting ourselves in the film and going well, what's you know what's really going on here? I believe uh, John made a comparison. Um, yesterday, which you did not like, one. I no, let's so not make allow, the same I'll, comparison. No, I'll allow John to. Um, <laughs> what John, was it? John, what did I say? He forgot. I knew he'd forget. No, you said you said um, you said the good doctor. Um, you likened him to Dana Scully. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I was still going with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Not. 
I yeah. It, not not in the fact that yeah, she's just our our kind of counter to the the, the insanity that's going on. I completely stand by that. Much to Sean's absolute disgust, <laughs> judging by that face. But she, it is. It's 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 the it's the counter argument to to to, to what's going on, and it's so important. Mm. And it, it's not until he gets off his. I think it's just curiosity that gets him back up there. He's just going, "What is actually happening here?" Um, and then he he goes up there and starts investigating for himself. And when he starts to realize something is rotten in the Heritage Club. Um, then we 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 started to follow suit. Yeah, whereas David, who was actually happening to, doesn't seem asked about how or why. Well, he, he's, he's completely dismissed it. His, his nurse, yeah. who he's got like nightingale effect. Well, I, <laughs> I, I think, as well if I had Jenny Agatha there, to be honest. Yeah, same. I th- I think the um, what the film does well, whether it realizes it or not, is throughout the film. Um, like I said, after the first twenty minutes, it's quite a. Um, it's quite it's quite a nice little um just just seems like a, a part comedy, part romance, sort of as he goes through his rehabilitation, they sort of fall for each other. I know you've got some thoughts on that, we'll get into it in a minute. Yeah. Um and then you 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 forget about I forgot about the werewolf stuff basically, and you sort of go along with this nice little romantic comedy drama thing, and I'm quite enjoying myself. And it's like that's what's happening to David. Yeah. He's gotten over the the horror. And then he's just going along. He, he's a new man reborn in London with this beautiful girl, and he keeps pushing to the side when when Jack um, appears, and he keeps going. Well, must be my own delusions. This is nonsense. This this isn't really happening. Do you think it's a good thing that you forget that the film is about werewolves? I do. It's 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 brilliant. Okay, so let me just take you both back to a point that you made last week. Well, John made it, and you agreed. This film is called Hush. Therefore, the fact that this woman is deaf should be front and center. You don't, you agreed, but you agreed with them. You do not get this with this film. So, yeah, I feel like I should just point out that Sean is doing the most almighty head wobble. Oh, well, this, this, this is, this is called, oh, this is a film you like, I see. Yeah, it's about, it's, it's, (laughs) the title says a werewolf in London. There's a werewolf in London. The title was Hush and She's Deaf. I I never I never I never said anything about the title of the last one. It was John him. John that went 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 mental. I was agreeing with him to spite you because I couldn't believe I you made it. me watch that tripe. What what this what this film does is it it does it on purpose. It, it, it takes you away and into this, as Johnny calls it, romantic comedy, which leaves a lot to be desired because of the most inept and wooden sex scene in the history of the world um, to be quite honest I would have liked a wolf to have come in and eaten them both alive during that just to stop the boredom that was like consuming <laughs> me I've had more passionate encounters with fucking mops in my life than that and no one can tell me that that is a good sex scene that is a good description of two young people falling in love which is what it's supposed to be it's one thing that they get so spectacularly wrong in this film, and every time it's on, I skip it. The, the thing is, can I just make a, a differentiation that I feel mm-hmm. I have to uh, for clarity and for the sake of our listeners? This film, as John said, takes you away. It sucks you in and immerses you. So you to, to forget that it's a film about bloodthirsty werewolves is a testament to its genius. 
hush whatever happened in that is is yeah, and, I, I and completely awful. agree they're not the same thing I, thank god I, I completely agree yeah, this doesn't expertly distract you I mean it doesn't it distracts you with a love story a poorly acted out love, I, did, love I didn't story. mind the, I didn't mind the love story purpose. the love story elements I didn't it, think it was as terrible as oh, you that, do that, the love story itself is good the sex scene in the shower is well, The love story awful. isn't good. It's two people who are suffering from the Florence Nightingale effect. Exactly. And surely that's that's a good thing because I'm not, that not saying that distract. It doesn't distract from anything. It's an hour and 37 minutes and you can feel absolutely every minute. Nah. It's not a good thing. You can't. I know it's It good. feels so long. No, I, it doesn't. I was, I was, I was transported to... London in the eighties with a with a with a, with, a, with a lovely with a lovely little house and a woman that's obviously uh, sort of taken with this American fella because you wouldn't all want to fall for each other because he's obviously a nutcase. Um, well, he's not as well, but you know, for for appearances of her um, to her, he's a nutcase because he's he's American. He's a good looking American. He's like a fighter pilot that crashes down during World War Two. And um, the, the the local the local <laughs> hottie in the village um, gets with him. So and, why does uh, you she know, not he stays care there. that he's in? Because he because he's a sexy he's a sexy American, mm. and ninety percent of the time he's he's sound. Apart why from when he's talking to himself. Why does she not care that he's maybe insane? She invites him to live with him, live with her. Because I think she she just thinks he's going through a temporary trauma. She does say that. And the, so, the good, oh yeah, just come and live with me. Well, yeah, the the good. The, we and then we'll caress decisions. in the shower. It's no the, the naivety yeah, we of will. love. Why have we got to bring that up? We don't have to talk about that anymore. You know, it's my kryptonite. That scene. <laughs> I I just think the good things outweigh the the bad, and she's she's obviously a. Um, I think that, that that sex scene is the only bad thing about it, and it's no. not because I didn't want a sex scene or anything like that. I just want one with a bit of passion, no, not two people standing there like that. It's it's it, it is easily the one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. It gets skipped every time I'm, I I watch it, but that's literally the only kind of negative I'll say about it. And even then, I won't talk about it that much, apart from the, not even the ending, half an hour. What it feels like. No, I like mm. it. But we'll get to that later. Don't worry. You'll have your moment Thank to you. complain about that. I, I, I think it was. I think it was all all right. I think it, it was. It was. <laughs> it, I think it, it was, was fine because they're infatuated with each other, aren't they? And they say things like "I love you," which they don't don't mean after knowing each other for a day. And they see see past all the 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 things like someone, for instance, being insane and possibly a werewolf. And you see, see past yeah. that in the early stages, but if before you before you really go to hate them, if he's transforming like whatever psychologically or whatever into a werewolf, would the sexy not have been a little bit more primal? Animal? I I was gonna say that you well, shit. You didn't. Oh, I've got there before, yeah. No, I completely and utterly agree. That's that. It's it's maybe there should have been a couple, a few, like the dreams where they wind, where they work. And, he, and it goes off like that. And he gets, I think they do that in Wolf. I think that's what Wolf is about because he becomes kind of, um, quote unquote, a predator in that. Yeah, I, th- I uh, remember. I need to watch that again. Yeah, I think I do as well. Maybe that isn't a bad film after all. No, it is. Um, 
yeah, I have no problem with the with the falling in love thing and the naivety of it all. I just have a problem with the way it was done. It was just so poorly done. That made me feel it it was rushed. That but that's the only bit that was. I don't know if John Landis was was kind of like shy or whatever, or he was awkward. But it it was it, it is as good as the rest of the film is. That is as bad as it as it it will it can mm. ever get. And the fact that I skip over it tells you one thing. But the fact I don't let it ruin the film is another thing. That's how strong the film is that it can have the worst, arguably the worst scene I've ever seen in it, and still get away. I with didn't. It. I didn't notice how bad it was. I thought the crest in the show was um, <laughs> was was. It basically sta- they basically stand there for like good two Just minutes, hold him. nibbling yeah. each other's shoulders. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with that? I What's think wrong he's, he's meant to be he's a fucking what? werewolf. He's meant to be as John said, he's meant to be primal, he's meant to be this he's, apex predator. He's, he's not a werewolf in, in the shower, is he? Nobody's transforming he's, he's still David. He's, he's a curse an accursed creature yeah, of the also night. Has those dreams as David, those fever dreams that you yeah. keep banging on about. Yeah, well so. there's nothing wrong with <laughs> just caressing someone in the shower no, for there is. two I'm minutes. Sorry. Get off me. Oh, there is. Get off me, have a shower, I'll see you in the bedroom. <laughs> if you want to stay in there that bad I'll see you yeah. later enjoy yourself yeah I just like so, a long shower uh, maybe it was that maybe that's that developed into another argument let's <laughs> let's talk about something we can all agree on and let's talk about the main events oh yeah um, we can all agree on this that's nice Mr the day that Mr Rick Baker became uh, an absolute icon of the world uh, the transition so there was some there was some trouble between um, the director and him around this because didn't he go off and work on the howling and then Landis was a bit fuming because some of the makeup effects look really really similar to what was used in American I, I've heard something about this but I think what it was that the Rick Baker is a very clever man and what he did was he owned all of the the kind of patents on everything. So it wasn't kind of exclusive to one production. So he could take take his, his skill set and put himself about a bit. Um I mean it's gotta look similar, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. It's gotta it just it just just falls on the skill of the director and how they use it. Does anyone remember the transition from the howling? No. Is it the exact same? There you go. There you go. Um, no, it's, I know it's, there was wasn't it's no, it's it's a little bit more crude. It's still very well done, but it's a little bit more crude. It's nothing compared to this because um, John Landis did he didn't he cut down the time of the werewolf's transformation, the face shot to seven seconds. I believe it. I, I believe it was the whole thing. He wanted it to be about eight minutes, but they cut it down to four, and I think that was because he knew. Where where the money? This this is the money shot of the film. This, and I think he go because he, he had the same person working on the howl, and he's he's gone right. We have to we have to put this front and center, which again would explain why this is the most memorable scene in in this film and among the horror genre. Because be I read honest. that Rick Baker wanted it to be wanted it to be longer. Obviously, what you do because he's he's biased, mm-hmm. but um, I think he he sort of. 
um, for when those... Um, no, John Landers wanted it to be longer as well. The studio cut it down. Well, I think I read that Rick Baker was, um, he was sort of appeased because when he, I think when he went to the premiere, I think he got a standing ovation. Um, so obviously they, they knew they, it would they'd done something right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, For me, it's John Landis going, right, he's here. I've got all of this amazing footage. I'm going to, I'm going to, really blow people away with this and it falls directly on this as i said the skill of the director to to, to kind of put this front and center the howling is it, it, it's, it's all right just watch it watch the howling and then you understand it, it's 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 such a vanilla film it really is it just it, mm. your life doesn't change after it it's just mm, i've watched that now with this you, you, because the, the the effects are so good and they're all practical, and you, you you're standing there and you get sitting there and you're going, how have they done that? How well I am anyway? How have they done that? How have they done that? And the agony that David is in, we're all there with him. It's got a, it's got mm-hmm. everything, and it rightly has its iconic place on that in that in the the the, the genre as one of the. Truly, truly groundbreaking sequences. I've I've told you I I did um, a search the other day for top ten uses of practical uh, visual effects. Obviously, Star Wars was first because it's yeah. Obviously, this is second. One is a hundred million dollar industry now. This one is a little shitty comedy horror film that had no budget and a, and a director that no one trusted to write horror. And I, I think he's. Who who is the real victor there? Granted, it is the guy who made eight billion dollars from one from three films. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, you, you, being part of a film that changed the genre and the use of visual effects, it's not even not a bad consolation, really, is it? No, it is probably the best scene in the film. Definitely, I'd say easily the best scene in the film. But it's not that. Uh, yeah. That's not me saying that it's not a, a, a film filled with great scenes and great moments. I I love most of it, apart from one that we've talked about and we won't discuss again, ever. <laughs> um, I think there's there's. I think if you take it out, you've still got a good film. I've said said this before again. Um, if you take it out, you've still got a good film. However, if you leave it in, you have a really, 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 really special film. Something that has and will stand the test of time and it will be celebrated for years to come. I mean, the 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 nerd fucking wanking over this film is not over yet. No, Nowhere near. Um, this will be talked about for another 100 years. It really will. It's, it's, I've written about it in uni. It's been written about in, in, in uni, but in, in academic papers. It's studied in every visual art, visual effects class I've ever seen. It's basically a testament of how you do practical visual effects, and rightly so. It, it, it really is that good, and it gave birth to a whole host of um, inspired, I don't want to say wannabes, but wannabes. We've all thought, I mean, if, you, if you're into filmmaking, you've all, we've all thought about doing our own version of this. I know I have. I'd love it, but yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That is a really, really good scene. Very, very yeah, effective. Yeah, it's um, 
I think <clears throat> I'd agree with what you say. I echo it, in fact. Um, it's it's basically um, the, you do really see um, again in contrast to the sort of comedy and stuff that's been that's been going on around this time when they're in London. Um, the 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 pain that he's going through when he's he's transforming it's sort of very very endearing um, on a human level because you can see sort of what, when he just becomes extremely extremely hot and just whips off his clothes. And then he's sweating and he's sort of, yeah, and he's, um, you know, obviously extremely uncomfortable and even during the transformation, it's not a it's not a quick thing like, you know, a sort of modern CGI thing where it's all over in about 10 seconds and then he's, you know, a wolf and doesn't care. He really is like a, an extreme physical exertion going through this transformation. Yeah, just, just going on to that then, about like modern takes on this, I, I've there's Van Helsing and there's the one I keep forgetting the name of Underworld and there's that god awful thing from Twilight um, <laughs> and they just don't they just don't do it they just don't it's basically really good looking people turning into Scooby Doo that's that's all it is there's no I, I can't be frightened of a cartoon I can't be frightened of a animatronic hound that's covered in fucking blood though because it works um that van helsing one it just as soon as the transfer the transformation happens it loses you lose everything that you've built up you can have the best build up the best build up of tension you can ever ever want and it just loses it completely because it, it just it, they're not even done the the cgi isn't even done well they turn mm. into big blobs and then just run away. And it's the same in The Wolfman as well. Though that is done a little tiny bit better and it does look very nice, that's let down because of the writing and because of the the conflict between the production company and the directors because it had more than one. Um, but with this, it's just complete mastery. He knew what he wanted to do with it. He knew how he wanted it to look. Um, you bring on a genius and you say to him I've brought you on for a reason go for it you don't constrain him as you do with all the other films you don't say I want it looking like this you say Rick you are the man at this go for it and that's what they let him do and look what they got from it timeless absolutely timeless I'm going to watch it Spellbinding. at last we agree on something <laughs> however I do think I'm going Three to be five episodes yeah I do think I'm going to be answered a picnic now and say um Following that, in for me, you have after after that is it's kind of the morning after after he wakes up in the wolf enclosure. Again, the irony is not lost on me, um, and he, he he feels great and he thinks it's it's all bollocks basically. So then he's like, he, he goes in to to talk to Doctor Hirsch and he's in that it's when he's in the back of that taxi that it all starts to kind of fall apart for him and. Bricktop from Snatch tells him that uh, people have died last night and he suddenly comes to the realisation that he's done it. I love that meltdown. I'm not going to say what he says, but um, he's he, he, he tries to get away from Alex just after uh, Jenny Agatha after telling her that he loves her. Um, again, it's about as passionate <laughs> as it's going to get in this. Um, 
<laughs> but then he, he he has a meltdown. He tries to get himself arrested, and I, and I like that. Even that, even in melting down, has elements of comedy in it. That it just, I think it's brilliant. And it it builds and it builds and it builds. I'm saying about Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles and all that. And then he basically gets told you're a madman. Piss off, as you do in the eighties. To be quite honest, he would have got a cosh off uh, off the. Um, <laughs> Off the policeman, but anyway, but then he, he he legs it and he's on his own and he makes his way to that phone box, and he found he, from from nowhere after that scene of kind of melting down lunacy, we're, we're confronted with this very very human drama where he's telling a ten year old girl his sister that he loves her and he loves his mum and dad and then he, he's about to kill himself and you just it just it just stops you dead and you go. Oh shit! This is serious, isn't it? All the fun that we're having, and it stops because and because there's something really visceral and real going on. And you, I I think that is so important to this film. I think it grounds you again. It's the kind of not not human Doctor Hirsch bit pulling you back in, um, just when you thought you were out. And um, it it grounds you again, and then from there on, it just spirals. Even more out of control. It, it thinks to yourself, if you had killed yourself, you would have spared London from this absolute orgy of chaos that's going on at the end. It spared me from the last thirty minutes. But at the same time, I mean, as he, as he, can you blame him for not really believing it? Because for all not intents all. and purposes, it could just be the the ramblings in his head. That's the thing with the film. I think it makes perfect sense. I think it's a it's a fella going. Think, thinking he's going mad trying to fight it he finds out it's not everything's real what do you do then it's complete despair and then mm. he doesn't really have time to think about anything after that because after the phone box Jack calls him over and they go into the porn theatre of all places I didn't actually know they had porn theatres in London I think everywhere honest, I had them back in the day now did I an eye opener <laughs> <laughs> you booked your ticket yeah um but yeah, and then and then going into the porn theater, and he's 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 talking to all of his victims that Jack's brought with him. It's like an intervention of the dead. Like it's amazing. So can he turn into a werewolf any night? For, for, for Just moons. full moon, mate. Does the full moon last for more than one day? I'm imagining. Yeah, it's three, oh, it's three days. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about each lunar cycle. I, I thought that um, after it happens, and then they do make sure to say it's a full moon again tonight. So I don't know. I don't know how it works. Yeah. But. I think it's every like, it's, it, it's it's three days, I think. And then the moon changes. But yeah, I, I just thought that those, those two moments work because after the phone box, he doesn't get time to think. He's, he's immediately beckoned back in by Jack. who's then confronted by these dead people. And he understands the gravity of what he's going through. I have to admit this ending does have a huge whiff of, Oh shit, we've run out of money. Which yeah. would be understandable because it wasn't really backed. And they did spend a lot of money on the effects up to there. Mm. But it's still no excuse. So the film critic uh, Roger Ebert described it as weird and unfinished. <laughs> Can you just say that again and say Roger Ebert? Um yeah, no, the the ending is it just it's too it's too quick, it's too rushed, and it's too bland and meaningless it's a bit like the sex scene really 
Um, yeah, there's no climax there, is there? Hey, um. I, I, I think it was, I think it was fine. I think it was all right, apart from a couple of little sticklers. You can't be okay. Not even I'm okay with the end, when, mate. Well, for instance, when um, the the, ve- the very end, the bit where it kind of they they spoiler alert shoot him. Um, I, I didn't. I, I thought it was a bit strange that um, the National Guard or whoever it was, the armed response, were stood a mile the other side of the alley. Um, and then the wolf mm. sort of goes for it, and then they manage to shoot the wolf like absolutely, you know, bang on target. Yeah, they can shoot through a woman and not not and not uh, kill her as well because they just they just. And, and what does she even? What does she even go down the alley for? Like, what are you going to do? She's trying to to um... reach the David in him. No, yeah, that that's doesn't even try. She just looks at him. So, so, she says, "I know you're in there." Didn't no. All it would take from Jenny is a look at me and I'd be hers. The thing is, Sean, I think you, you, you touched on something yesterday when we were briefly discussing this um, about maybe what should have happened um, as the ending, which would have been a better poetic narrative. Earlier on in the film, they um, they say uh, about the werewolf can be only be killed by someone who loves them or whatever. Um, and then we get to that point and I believed that that was what was going to happen when I watched it, and it doesn't. It's just that it's like we were always taught in when we were doing writing in, in, in university to plant and pay off, and they plant and it, it dies. Um, they didn't even attempt a payoff. Yeah, that's what makes the the whiff of we ran out of money a bit stronger for me because I think that's what they were going to do. I think it was supposed to be very very different. You know, my thoughts on what should have happened at the end and. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the wolf should have just ripped her head off and then they shot it and then it's a, then it's a clean but, ending for everyone Shane's so, so right for trusting the lunatic and taking him home after you've known him half a day yeah but to, to be honest those two endings that we've just saw up there are both better than what we've got and I I mean yeah it, it, it's got it's problems but I don't hate it but those two are both better like mm. massively better, and you've you've just got to ask for someone with such complete control over what he's doing. Why did they go with that one? Okay, chaps. So, what's it gonna be? Or uh, is this seminal genre-spanning classic nightmare cinema correct, or is it certified nightmare incorrect? Johnny Cameron. Um, the film is wonderful in oh so many ways it does have a couple of detractors um but i think it's got less a lot less detractors than than you two seem seem to think it has um it is an absolute foundation of special effects application and knowledge um added on to that which does not make the film it just makes the film even better it is nightmare cinema surprise well, that was conclusive. Sean, what can go? So <clears throat> I'm really torn about this film. Um, I get it. I get why people like it, but I also don't understand why people don't like it. At the same time, <laughs> there are a lot of things about it that I really dislike, and the comedy is one of them. Um, also, the Nazi scene is completely unnecessary. Um, and... I'm going to suggest something a little bit controversial. 
That's unlike you. <laughs> this could change Nightmare Cinema forever. So I think we should introduce a middle vote. And I think we should call it I'd Stay for the Popcorn. And that is where I am. I'd Stay for the Popcorn. That 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 is a good idea because, yes. <laughs> because, yes. It's yes. too different. One way is too definitive. Like, I don't completely hate this film. Like, John ha- Johnny Hater's Hush. I, I don't. I, I, there are things in it about it that I like. For me, this is, and it's it's flawed, don't get me wrong, but because it's such a wonderful, wonderful film, I can see past the flaws. I can see the, the, the magic that it's got and it all fucking day long. This is nightmare cinema. This is... This is what Nightmare Cinema is all about, inspiring filmmakers to go out and make their own, and this is what this has done. But that brings us on to your, uh, shall we say, shall we have a clue for your next one? Uh, Next week, I believe we will be bringing our cauldrons and our goats uh, (laughs) to proceedings. That was an all right clue. It was an all right clue. Brilliant. It was an all right clue. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll see how that plays out and what we think of that particular film. That should be interesting. That should be interesting. It should be. We will see how it goes. Um, Until next time, because we now have, as as I've said previously, we now have listeners out there. So until next time, thank you for listening. Never thought I'd get to say that on this. See you next time. (laughs) Yes. Goodbye. Ta-ra. Farewell. Bye. Bye.